The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, quit pretending like you really got some sleep and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 235 with guests David Barcole, Alessandro Gallo, and Ramakrishna Vavilala. Recorded live Tuesday, April 10th, 2007. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net. Training developers to work smarter, and now bring the ASP.NET Masterclass on-site to your development team. Online at www.franklin.net. And by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. Support is also provided by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net, simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who'd like to remind everyone that it's laundry month. Carl Franklin. Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. We're here with another week. Carl and Richard, your favorite .NET guys. Hey, Richard Campbell. Feeling very favored, I am. Yeah, well. <laughs> we got a lot of great email this week. Oh, yeah, no question. And uh, it just keeps coming in, and we really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we know that people email us because they want us to know how much they love the show, not because they want a mug or... It's not about the swag, right? You're just trying to contribute <laughs> to the show, right? Right, right. That's <laughs> that's it. Uh, just because we give free swag to people who email us with favorable messages, that doesn't mean anything. Last time I looked, you gave swag to people who sent us unfavorable messages, too. Yeah, well. Yeah. We like to give away mugs and shirts and stuff. All that good stuff. So I have an email here from Romania. From Romania? Yeah. Just north of Bulgaria, you know. And uh, <laughs> the subject is, you know. Uh, he has a name which I probably can't pronounce. His initials are OD, and you know who you are. So he says, hello, Carl and Richard. I don't think you noticed, but a lot of Microsoft people started using you know more than it's humanly possible to hear. On the two-and-a-half-hour Mix 07 keynote, at the end there's a Q&A session with Ray Ozzie and Scott Guthrie. I'm sure that Ray has just won, by a big margin, the world record of you knows per minute. 
<laughs> Why doesn't he get it? I don't know. If I knew, I wouldn't have been watching him in the first place. Try to focus, people. Is that too hard to ask? Getting now to the second topic of this email, the latest Hansel Minutes with Scott Guthrie. I was hoping he didn't get his boss's bad habit. You know which one. <laughs> you know. You know. You know. And you, this is me talking out. I know what he's talking about. It, it, when somebody when somebody says like kind of or you know, you know we were walking along the you know the sidewalk, so you know, you know it's just interjected everywhere. It's so like you, a comma. Yeah, it's it's right. It's the new comma. But is it better than so? Well, it's more pervasive than so because so is done at the only the beginning of the sentence, right? Whereas you know is scattered throughout. Yeah. Every other word can be, you know. That's right. It's just like, you know, if you were to, to go down to the, to the, where they work on the cars, you know, at the, you know, shop and, and they would be using other words at every other word, but it yes. probably wouldn't be, you know. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's just for punctuation. All right. Well, anyway, uh, I had to listen to the show twice, which is not necessarily a bad thing, just to focus more on the topics rather than on Scott's, you knows. At one time, I started counting the you-know-per-minute density. Good for me that I decided it was too lame to consider after just a couple minutes into the game. You could have given us the numbers, though. Come on. I, I know, really. We can, <laughs> let's have a contest. If I recall correctly, sometime around the second last DNR with Michelle LaRue there was also a phrase that the Microsoft people kept using when answering questions. It was so, or something as far as I know. I'm not sure about the word, but I know you already had that topic stripped out in some time in the middle of the show. It was a big laugh when the guests used it. To end up, I wanted to let you know my thoughts on the live streaming idea. I think it's not a good feature. Too few of us would be able to take advantage of it at one time, and ultimately the quality of the live questions would not be acceptable. Instead, I'm proposing that you use your time implementing a better way to post questions for future shows. Something like a forum, but not quite. I would definitely want to ask questions to your guests, but mine might not be the best ones for everybody. So a questions voting system might be the most fair thing. Also, if you decide to ask guest questions, please say the guest names online. Please say the guest names online. People love to hear their names spoken, especially on DNR. Thanks a lot for your time. I've been a fan for a very long time, and I can't imagine working without the knowledge you give freely to the .NET community. OD from Romania, Europe, just north of Bulgaria, you know. He says, P.S., you know, if... <laughs> now this is getting annoying. Yeah. If you decide to implement the question voting thing, you know, maybe uh, you build it in Silverlight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> are you not even going to try his name, are you? Are you just stick with the initials uh, OD? Ovidiu... Uh, Diaconescu. I think that's pretty close, but uh, Diaconescu. He can email. Hopefully, uh, Ovidio will email us back and tell us if we got it right. Yeah, I have a Romanian friend. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll ask him for phonetic spelling. Oh well, and that that's a good thing to do, you know. Unless you're John Smith. <laughs> if you want us to get your name right, you can give us the phonetic spelling for it, and right. we'll get it right. I promise. Exactly. All right, Richard, you have a, a more... Well, let's talk a little bit about this the live show versus the forum thing. Yeah. I've sort of debated whether we want forums for each show. 
just to have people have a place to ask questions after the show as well as before. Well, we actually do have a place for people to ask questions, and it's at my blog, intellectualhedonism.com. We um, not only put out a feed that includes the enclosure, but we have an announcement feed for each show, and that's uh, that's just a blog post. So comments right. are comments are freely welcome. And if you look on the .NET Rocks webpage, you'll see the next five shows coming. Right. If you've got a question for any of those guests, feel free to fire us an email. Sure. And we'll happily ask it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, chances, you know, even if the topic that we're on on that show isn't what you had in mind, it doesn't matter. We can always uh, throw a few curveballs once in a while. What's the email address? Email address is .NET Rocks at franklins.net. All right, I got a short email for you. Okay. Uh, This is from Philip, and it's about code camps in Oz. And you might recall last week we were talking about whether or not there were code camps in Oz. All right. Well, Australia is what you mean. Yeah, in in Australia. And he says, uh, hi, Carl and Richard. I'll skip the part about how great your show is and what a brilliant job you two are doing. The title of your show says it all. It rocks. Anyway, nice. I just finished listening to show 233 with Brad Abrams, and I just can't wait to start playing around with Silverlight. That is, if I'll ever find time for it. I finished listening to one show, and I see there is a new one waiting for me. That is on top of DNR TV, Hansel Minutes, and now Run As Radio. What are you guys doing to me? <laughs> I travel an hour to work and back each day, and this time is now completely taken up by listening to your shows there's also polymorphic podcasts from Craig Shoemaker and Sequel Down Under from Greg Lowe, etc. You know, just kidding. <laughs> Watch the you knows. Yeah. In show 223, you mentioned code camps and asked if there is one in Australia. Well, there is. Just browse over to codecampoz.com to see the details. Is that OZ he spelled O-Z it? OZ for Oz, yeah. yes. And I went over there, and lo and behold, it's true. There was a code camp at the beginning of April. It goes on to say, there are two brilliant guys behind this, Mitch Denny and Greg Lowe, both from Redify. Yeah, we know there them. Is all- yeah, of course we know them. Sure. Greg Lowe's an RD. Right. There is also SQL-specific code camp called the SQL Down Under Code Camp. Cheers, Philip. Thanks very much, Philip. And uh, I'm going to bug Greg about not telling us about his code camp in advance so we could let everybody know on DNR. And speaking of code camps, we've got three code camps coming up here on the weekend of May 19th across the United States. The first one is the West Michigan Day of .NET. And you can read about that at shrinkster.com slash N1H. And by the way, Richard, in previous shows we had mentioned that it was at NIH. Oh, yes. That was a typo, actually, on our part. And if you go to shrinkster.com, NIH, you get? LASIK at home. Yeah, the home LASIK surgery kit. Because you should always <laughs> be firing lasers into your eyes at home. <laughs> <laughs> And no, we did not do that on purpose. That happened to be a, a toy that uh, you reviewed on Mondays. If yes, I it was. So anyway, we have uh, two other code camps on May 19th. Yeah, the next one is the Philly.net code camp, and that's at shrinkster.com slash OI7. And the Front Range uh, code camp in Denver, Colorado, also May 19th, at shrinkster.com slash OQO. 
And finally, on the weekend of June 23rd, there is the Raleigh Code Camp at shrinkster.com slash 017. And of course, uh, we got some conferences coming up here. DevTeach is coming right up. It's probably, uh, probably still some spaces available, I'm sure. Uh, at devteach.com, it's going to be in Montreal, Quebec. That's right. May 14th to 18th, and we'll both be there. And we're going to be somewhere else very soon, aren't we, Richard? Uh, the other place would be TechEd US in That's Orlando, right. June 4th to 8th. Happiest place on earth. That's what they tell me. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be all over that show. In fact, we, we, we know now that we have a stage in the uh, vendor area, right? Right across the hall from the partner zone. We'll have this stage, which is all about virtual tech. Virtual There'll be tech a bunch head. of different podcasts being recorded, and we're going to be doing a number of other events there. Stay tuned to this channel to find out more about those events. Right, because we're just in the process of nailing them down right now. That's but if right. we had our druthers, we'd want to do a, a speaker idol contest where you could take a chance on... Uh, on uh, becoming a speaker at TechEd. Right. You know, kind of like American Idol style. Something we did in Europe yeah. last year. And it went over really well. And we also want to do um, the 64-bit question quiz show where you can win all kinds of great prizes just for answering questions about .NET and about .NET Rocks. So study up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we also uh, want to mention the New York tour for Infusion. Uh, Infusion is looking for some really, really brilliant .NET developers to come to New York City for a year and work in an exciting field and live rent-free in Manhattan for a year. If you're interested, shrinkster.com slash kh6. And there's also a gig in Washington, D.C. for ASP.NET Gurus. Uh, that uh, if you're, you know, an ASP.NET hotshot and you live near D.C. or want to be relocated, shrinkster.com slash MMJ. All right, Richard, let's introduce our guests. This should be an exciting show. We have a panel of guests, three of them to be exact. Uh, David Barkle is a principal consultant for Nudesic, one of Microsoft's leading .NET professional service firms and a gold certified partner. At Nudesic, David specializes in providing custom .NET solutions that leverage technologies such as ASP.NET, Web Services, Windows Forms, SQL Server, and C Sharp. A frequent speaker at Code Camps and .NET user groups in Southern California, David's also one of the authors for the upcoming book, ASP.NET Ajax in Action, an MCSD in .NET, and avid urban hang glider. David, more on that, I'm sure. David resides in tropical La Palma, California, with his wife, Emily, and two daughters, Miranda and Madeline. His blog can be found at weblogs.asp.net slash David Barkle. Uh, welcome, David. Uh, thank you. Glad to be here. Alessandro Gallo, or Garbin Gallo, is a Microsoft MVP in the Visual ASP, ASP.NET category, and has been an active contributor for the Ajax Control Toolkit project. As a .NET developer consultant with a primary focus on ASP.NET application design and development, Alessandro has been developing with ASP.NET Ajax since the very first CTP. Notably, he won the grand prize at the Mash It Up with ASP.NET Ajax contest held by Microsoft in 2006. His blog is at aspadvice.com slash blog slash Garbin, and his books can be found at manning.com slash gallo. Hi, Alessandro. Hi. 
And finally, Rama Krishna Vavilala is a senior software developer architect at 3C Software, a leading supplier of cost management solutions. He has designed and developed three different versions of Impact ECS, 3C Software's product suite. Currently, he's designing an AJAX-based web application using ASP.NET AJAX. This application will be part of the Impact ECS suite. He is a regular contributor at the Code Project and has contributed around 20 articles on wide-ranging subjects. Welcome, Rama. Hi. And welcome to all of you guys. Thank you. Yeah, this should be an interesting show. So the book is called ASP.NET AJAX in Action. Uh, yes, it's uh, part of the In Action series for Manning. They have uh, an AJAX in Action book, a Web Parts in Action. It's a popular series, so it just fit perfectly into their uh, their scheme over there. And so all three of you are contributors to this book? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm trying to understand what in action means in relation to this book. Is there a particular style to the way it's written? Um, it's a little more, it reads thoroughly from chapter to chapter. It's not just a reference. And inaction uh, also means that the references or, or the examples are, are rich. They're deep. They're not just, oh, this is how you do something and let's move on to the next topic. Uh, the, the examples are richer than other competitors out there. So in general, that's all it really means. So when you say rich, you, what do you mean? Like uh, unique projects or? Uh, just deeper examples. Like, for example, we have a chapter where we take an existing ASP.NET application and integrate it with the server-side part of ASP.NET AJAX. So we walk all the way through, and at the end, um, you don't have just a basic how does things work, you actually have a working sample of an application. It's kind of like a fictitious record company, like a website for them. And interestingly, you take something that already exists, which is what most people are going to be doing. Exactly. We thought, you know, that's probably a common question. Uh, you have two different angles, people coming in for the first time, and also people who have existing applications who want to integrate with AJAX. So we try to accommodate both. Obviously, you guys are a big fan of the ASP.NET AJAX. How does uh, how does this technology compare with other uh, vendors who are who are doing AJAX frameworks? One of the main uh, characteristic, or I think the main feature of uh, ASP.NET AJAX is that it integrates with the ASP.NET framework pretty well. And whereas other frameworks, uh, there are many JavaScript frameworks which I have seen. And they're purely JavaScript. As they, they basically don't bother about what kind of uh, server framework you have on the back end. Like there is the most popular framework is uh, Prototype, which is basically a which is basically a single JavaScript file, and it has got a uh, lot of utilities and functions which JavaScript users can use. But ASP.NET AJAX goes beyond that. It has got a server framework and it has got a client's uh, JavaScript library, which is quite rich. So that's one of the... And uh, another feature of ASP.NET AJAX is that you can call uh, ASP.NET web services from JavaScript. And also you have got server controls, which you can use. So it perfectly fits well with the ASP.NET framework. I see. Um, 
how how big is how big is this book? How many pages? Uh, the publisher would like it to be around five hundred. <laughs> There's always more than that, though, right? Uh, we're doing our best. Are I you doing your best to trim it down or to beef it up? No, to kind of beef it up a little. Okay. We we kind of have a no nonsense approach too. We don't want to fill it up with uh, screenshots of installation, for example. Right. You know, we're trying to keep it the content useful because there is stuff online and videos. So um, we're we're probably going to end up around that, around 500 pages. Okay. What uh what are some of the more interesting projects in the book? I mean, you mentioned this taking a website, this fictitious record company, yeah. uh it, that already exists and converting it into an Ajax site. What can you take us through that process? Yeah, sure. Um the whole goal for that chapter was you have this fictitious record company and there's a lot of postbacks that occur and so we list out the kind of targets that we want to meet. We want to keep our application logic on the server. So let's say that you're a developer that's unfamiliar with JavaScript, but you still want this AJAX kind of functionality. So we walk through the steps of introducing the update panel control, a timer control, some of the best practices and in integrating them together. So it's not just about just slap the update panel on the page, but how to use it appropriately because with its great power, it can also also be abused. So we're trying to demonstrate best practices. And at the end, you have this website that has basically should should run a little bit faster and fewer postbacks. So in the end, you get a better user experience. Right. So take and, us take us through a little bit of uh, in more detail it's about sort of you know what are the what are the steps you go through to do this conversion technically. Okay. Okay, well, you want to identify what's where the postbacks occur and what you can do about them. So you have to designate an area of the of the screen that you kind of want to refresh programmatically or or I would say incrementally. So instead of getting that full refresh, you would put an update panel around a region of markup essentially. Right. And instead of doing an, a normal postback, what it will do is an asynchronous postback which will go through the same life cycle as a normal postback. It's just kind of like working behind the scenes this time. And the difference now is that the markup only for that region of the page will be downloaded from the server, and the page will be updated incrementally. So it's a little smoother transition. Sometimes it's a little faster. And we try to apply many of those instances on the page, not just one. So you kind of pick your spots and only update what you need to update which is a, a common pattern that we try to illustrate. So you want to pick the uh, the portions of the page that are uh, only need to be updated. Okay. And that's essentially what, what you end up with. So you, you're basically taking those sections and wrapping them in update panels? Is that all there is to it? It sounds uh, pretty easy. Yeah, that's, that's in the end, that's the most of the time what you're doing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and what are some of those sections on the on this particular example site, this uh, album or music site record purchasing? Is that what you said it was? It's kind of like a uh, the landing page for a record company. So you have maybe a grid view, and you want to insert some comments. It's kind of like a feedback portion. Okay. So you can wrap that in a panel. You can sort it now, and you can insert comments. 
and no more postbacks occur on normal postbacks occur for that. Right. You also have a timer that you can update uh, certain parts of the page with more news, you know, recent news about a music genre. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to keep the page alive instead of just static. So that's another kind of technique that you can keep the user on your page, you know, make your site more active. Right. But um, there's also more client-side stuff in the book, and that was just one chapter. And I think uh, Garbin has a lot to add and, and for the more rich examples on the client side. Yes. As the, the example that David described is um, kind of server-centric development model because the ESP.NET AJAX extensions uh, provide two kinds of development, the development models, uh, the client-centric development model and the server-centric development model. Okay. And for example, in the client-centric model, um, we mainly rely on JavaScript uh, to asynchronously update the page's layout and to perform data access. And as a consequence, uh, a big portion, if not all, of the application logic is moved uh, to the client side of the web application. And in this case, the Microsoft Ajax library um, plays the major role, and we have I think we have four chapters in the book dedicated to this feature. And on the other hand, the server-centric model, and this model we perform layout update and uh, asynchronous data access using the update panel control uh, together with the other server control. And, and for this reason, the book has, uh, as David said, has chapter that introduces the server-centric model by showing how to take an existing ASP.NET application and upgrading it to, to ASP.NET AJAX. Also, two chapters dedicated to the update panel control and also one chapter is dedicated to developing AJAX-enabled control because uh, we can take existing server controls or develop new server controls that are AJAX-enabled so they can take advantage of the features provided by the Microsoft AJAX library, for example. Okay, so the, the server-centric model is pretty much a web controls-based uh, model where you have the update panel control and you have other controls, as you say, that you can build using the API. On the client side, you're really talking about doing JavaScript programming, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, we have another example of a message board, which is a web-based message board and where user can uh, post messages with a subject and some text. It illustrates a lot of other uh, other features which are typically found in an AJAX application, like auto-saving. So as soon as the user types, the whatever he types is auto-saved on the server so that if he closes the browser and comes back, the message text which he worked on previously is still available to him. Now, is that a client-side feature? Uh, it's a client side as well as a server side features. In the on the client side, it's purely done using uh, JavaScript, and on the server side, we are using ASP.NET profiles. And okay. ASP.NET AJAX has uh, has a web uh, has a web service interface to the profile 
feature of ASP.NET, which is pretty, which comes pretty handy in implementing all these features. Okay, so in the client side, you're calling a web service to do the persistence, and and that's yeah, pretty that's, much how you're going to interact with the server from JavaScript, right? Through web services. Yeah, that's right. The web services are probably the will be the most common way to interact with the with the server. But this interaction, Rama, is all in the background, right? The page isn't redrawing. The user can still mess around with the page or be typing something while yeah, those the profile is, updates is, are taking place? Yeah, that's right. The user, con user may continue to type, and everything is saved on the background. And uh, the other thing which, uh, which, which that uh, application demonstrates is auto-refresh of messages. So uh, normally... Uh, when when you are in a let's say you are uh, in a in a web forum or somewhere, uh, if you want to see the new messages, you will click on the refresh button, mm. or the page may have a meta tag which may refresh at every every now and then. But uh, the problem with that approach is that the entire page is downloaded every now and then. So even if some messages are old, they still get down they still get downloaded. Sure. But with Ajax approach, you can download only the new messages or the new things which have been posted, so which uh, which which will dramatically reduce the bandwidth requirement on the server because you are not downloading a lot of data. You are downloading only the required data. So you must have some kind of indicator to say, I have up to message 15. Give me everything after yeah, that. Yeah, give me after. Uh, yeah, each message has a timestamp associated with it. So give me a message after this timestamp. I get it. And... And does that just ha can you just be sitting on a page and somebody will enter a new message and boom it just shows up? Is that's that how right. it works? It's like a push almost, or is it yeah, polling on a right. timer? Yeah, it norm it's not possible to uh, implement a purely push based uh, sure. mechanism using HTTP, right? So yeah, there are certain ways, but uh, which involve uh, using persistent connection. But we are not doing that. We are uh, using a timer based refresh solution. Right. But the main thing is because it's in the background, it's not interfering with the user, so it's not a horrible poll. That's right. The, the the whole purpose of Ajax, like one not whole purpose, rather one of the primary feature, uh, primary purpose of Ajax is to do everything in the background, so that it yeah. does not interfere with what the user is doing. So yes, and we we could say that the two main tasks that uh, web Ajax web applications accomplish are mainly asynchronous update of the page's layout and asynchronous data access and mainly through web services. And uh, we can say that, yes, and uh, Ajax applications have changed the way the user interacts with the web page, but also the way a web developer uh, should develop a web page. I mean, um, if, if we consider how user input gets processed, and before Ajax, for example, um, the user typically filled a form, submitted it, and, and then he had to wait for the page to reload and notify him on the status of the operation. Um, this resulted in intermittent interaction due to the web page being refreshed to process the user input. But on the, other, on the other hand, the user was aware that the page was being reloaded because the server was processing the form. And okay, uh, probably the user was staring. Maybe he was staring at at a blank browser window uh, or an hourglass icon. But you know, at least he knew that the server was doing something. 
Uh, on the other hand, with AJAX, we could process the same form in the background and even eliminate page refreshing. But now, for example, we need to find new ways for keeping the user informed on what's going on. And maybe we can display a progress bar or an animated image to signal that something is happening on the server. Yeah. Mm, otherwise, the user could, could really feel lost because he isn't sure whether, whether the form is being processed or not. And perhaps he starts speaking on the same button again. Because sure. um, the user interface with AJAX remain resp remains responsive while the input is being processed. And thus, um, a web developer has to handle new scenarios uh, where, for example, multiple requests are sent to a server from the same page. And this really brings the need to study and implement new patterns for web development. And that's what uh, that's why we need and to extend the, the ASP.NET framework with support AJAX. So are you ready for the big news? Telerik is taking the wraps off four new product updates. RAD controls for ASP.NET, RAD controls for WinForms, the first official version of the Telerik reporting tool, and a brand new suite codenamed RAD controls Prometheus. And you guys think I don't sleep. Telerik's tools have always been great, but I think this time they've outdone themselves. Well, here are the details. Prometheus is built on top of Microsoft ASP.NET AJAX, and it'll become the successor of RAD controls for ASP.NET. Just as ASP.NET AJAX will be the future of ASP.NET, RAD controls Prometheus represents the future direction of all new Telerik development tools. This new suite of controls will also pave the way for seamless integration with Microsoft Silverlight, formerly WPFE. The WinForm suite aims for the stars with powerful new grid, chart, and tree view controls. For me, it seems like a major player on the WinForms market. Another intriguing addition to Telerik's portfolio this spring is Telerik Reporting. The product introduces a new level of development experience, which Telerik collectively calls easeability, a naturally intuitive mouse-only approach to generating Windows, Web, and PDF reports. And if that's not enough, go to www.telerik.com to check out what's new with Telerik's renowned RAD controls for ASP.NET. So, guys, a couple years ago, I tried to develop this web service or this web, web-based web chat program that used a sort of an AJAX thing, but I was using persistent connections, and I quickly found out that, oh, you only have nine or ten threads there. So that that's probably one of the reasons why you guys chose to poll for, you know, on yeah, a timer. Yeah, so if you're using persistent connections, it always makes sense to use uh, asynchronous HTTP handlers. Yeah. That will solve your 9 to 10 threads problem. Asynchronous uh, HTTP handlers on the server. On the server, right. Yeah. So, But like to keep the book simpler, we are not going into that level of details. Yeah. To keep the book simple? Uh, so I thought this was a, a going deep 500-page book. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean... Uh, the, the asynchronous. I mean, we are trying as much. We are trying to cover as much as of AJAX as possible. But right. at the yeah, same time, I, I mean, asynchronous HTTP handlers are not actually part of AJAX, although it's an interesting solution to the problem. Yeah, it's an interesting solution, and uh, it will be. It, it's quite a detailed solution. Yeah. But, uh, no, I I know, I know. I've 
I've lived it. But I've got, <laughs> I'm now thinking about this idea. I mean, we're very used to the idea of you fill in a, a big form and then you hit that go do this button and then it comes back and highlights all the things you did wrong. Right. And maybe deletes, drops a couple of text fields out you didn't want to drop out, which is annoying. So in a Java uh, or in an Ajax world, I'm able to, as I fill in each line, you could fire off validation for that line on the fly and actually highlight it as you go. The question is, does the user like that? Because they're used to, you know, I'm going to do the whole thing and then you tell me what's wrong. Yeah, I mean, with with great power comes great responsibility, right? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> So you got to pick your spots. Sometimes, uh, honestly, Ajax isn't the right solution, and you can abuse it. So you might want to do an autocomplete for some of the forms, some of the fields on that form, and you might want to do uh, leave some stuff alone. So you got to pick your spots and do what's best for. I guess you got to think about who your users are. The thing that gets me worried with Ajax is that you get into this model where there is only one web page. And everything keeps getting populated to that page. Yeah, obviously that's a terrible uh, abuse of, of Ajax. Um, people get addicted to just, it gets so easy sometimes. The uh, common question, it's hard to believe. People say, well, can I just put an update panel around my whole page? And people still do that. And it actually slows down your application. So it's not a good idea. You have to know when to use it and when not to use it. So if you're going to use an update panel, it's for only a fraction of the page. If you want the whole page, make it a new page. Exactly, or break it out, or, or think of uh, what you're really trying to accomplish. Let's talk about XML script for a minute. What is that? Garbin? Oh, yes. Well, um, XML script is, well, actually, it's not a feature included in the, in the ASP.NET AJAX. 1.0, but it's included in a separate package, and that's called the features uh, features CTP. Uh, CTP means Community Technical Preview. Okay. So okay, so it's, it's not, not shipping yet. No, uh, no, it's unsupported code that didn't fit into the 1.0 release, but. It's supposed to be included in the next releases of the framework. Oh, okay. But we we decided to cover uh, some of the features in the book because uh, some of them are really interesting, like XML script, for example, which is uh, a declarative language um, for instantiating client objects and specifically uh, specifically client components. I mean. You can think of it as a, a way to write JavaScript code declaratively. And just like we do with an ASP.NET page, we declare the controls that should be on the page, like text boxes uh, or drop-down lists, one. And in the same manner, we, we can uh, declare client objects uh, that should be on the page using XML script. So it sounds like a cross between HTML and XAML, almost. Yes. Yes, exactly. I, I, I was headed the same way. I was thinking, wow, this looks like the bridge to XAML, hmm. essentially. I think a lot of developers think it's elegant to do more declarative code. Uh, the issue right now is, like Garvin said, it's 
unsupported is in the future CTP. And you don't have IntelliSense for that, which is hard to... I mean, we've all been spoiled by IntelliSense. So an Orcus will have more support for that, especially the XML script and the next version of, of the framework, of course. Hmm. Yes, and another, another problem with, let's say, problem with XML script is that it's not that easy to, to debug it. And so, I mean, JavaScript code and client code in general is is still difficult to debug. And so XML script uh, doesn't make things easier on on the debugging point of view. But on the other hand, it, it can simplify the life of of who don't who doesn't feel very comfortable with JavaScript. I mean it it has all the advantages of of a declarative language plus can hide some of the JavaScript code to, to the web developer. I mean, uh, for example, we have um, the possibility to encapsulate a portion of JavaScript code into uh, what's called an action, and then we can use declarative code to execute this action, and so execute the portion of JavaScript code without actually writing it. So we can reuse the same code across applications and execute it declaratively. And that's a big advantage for for developers who want to use JavaScript code but don't feel very comfortable with it. I'm still trying to get my head around how this is different than a JS file referenced in a web page. Basically, um, you declare a script tag uh, with a custom type of text slash XML script and you then embed the, the XML script code in the page. And, and then the browser passes the markup code, but the AJAX runtime is able to separate it, the XML script blocks, from the other markup code. And then it passes the, the XML script code and based on the tags that it finds, uh, it's able to instantiate the corresponding JavaScript objects. And so the browser doesn't understand the tag, XML script. Okay. It's the uh, Ajax runtime JavaScript libraries that parse it and do the instantiating and, and all the heavy lifting. I see. So this is really a way for me to embed, embed some prefab objects that I then reference in my own JavaScript without having to have them as JavaScript on their own. And it looks like uh, xmlscript.org is a good place to read up on XML script. by the way. Oh, okay. News to you? <laughs> I haven't seen that. Yeah, cool. Well, it was the first thing that came up in a Google search while I was listening to you, so... Cool. No, no, sorry, uh... I don't think that's it. I don't think it's anywhere related to the Ajax, uh, ASP.NET Ajax XML script. Really? Yeah. So there's different flavors running around out there. Oh, no, that's a different thing. Yeah, so uh, this XML script is basically an ASP.NET Ajax feature. I see. It's passed by ASP.NET Ajax. Uh, 
the syntax, the XML schema used is is given by the ASP.NET AJAX. Right. It is no no way a general thing. All right. So that's a wow. Well, fortuitous that that came up then. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting little tidbit. It, 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 this seems like a very formative area, but it, it's really something I haven't heard a lot about in the terms of uh, ASP.NET AJAX. A couple of points I want to jump back to. One was debugging, because in my experience, debugging JavaScript has always been horrible. What yep. is the, the, the AJAX library that uh, Microsoft's produced made to help make that less painful? Well, uh, I think debugging is more of a feature of uh, the ID rather than uh, the framework itself. Right. For example, uh, um, I really enjoy the debugging in Firefox. There is an excellent Firefox add-in called Firebug, which which I think is a prerequisite for anyone who is doing some web development under Firefox, or for that matter, even in IE. Because... Um, this extension is quite great. Like it, it, it right from debugging of JavaScript to debugging of your CSS, it has got all those features in it. And uh, JavaScript debugging is quite easy with Fire, Firebug. And I've also heard that uh, Visual Studio Orcus, it has got some nice features for debugging too. So I've not checked it thoroughly. So Rama, I could take Firebug in Firefox, work on my JavaScript, get it debugged, and that code's going to run just as well in IE as well. Uh, the way the AJAX uh, ASP.NET AJAX library is written, like it's uh, to a lot of ex- to to a lot of extent, it's cross-browser compatible. Okay. So if you're if you're using the if you're using uh, the Microsoft AJAX library, which is the which is the name for the JavaScript library that comes with ASP.NET AJAX. Yeah, most of the stuff is cross-browser compatible, but every now and then you will hit something which will be... Uh, you you might hit something which might not work on Firefox, but it works on IE, or it might be the reverse way. So that's that's a part and parcel of uh, cross-browser web development. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, so the, that pain has still not gone away. And if I use Opera, I'm out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for development-wise, like... Uh, uh, there are certain tools which you can use. So for HTTP development, uh, for HTTP debugging, uh, there's an excellent tool called Fiddler, which works with IE as well as Firefox. Oh, uh, yeah. Scott Hanselman's a big endorser of Fiddler, too. And uh, there is a, there's an IE web development toolbar, which is also a must uh, for any serious development, serious web development. Which is also pretty good. Like it has got a lot of features of Firebug, except the JavaScript debugging. And mm-hmm. as far as JavaScript debugging is concerned, you have to rely on the you have to rely on the ID so far. I, you have to rely on Visual Studio, and uh, hopefully we'll see a lot of improvements in the next version of Visual Studio. That's a ringing endorsement of how good debugging is in the current version of Studio. <laughs> Yes, that's correct. You know what also is kind of cool is that they released a server-side code with the symbols, so you could actually step through that code as well. Oh, interesting. Wow, that's Which is pretty nice. Yeah, that is a nice feature. Uh, That IE debugging toolbar, where do I get that? Uh, It's on the Microsoft download site. Um, You have to search for IE developer toolbar. Okay. But it is a Microsoft toolbar, so we can yeah, go get it Microsoft there. Yeah, it's a Microsoft toolbar. Uh, it's still in beta, though. It's it's now the latest version is beta three. 
It's nice to be able to see the divisions of where your tables are, for example. Uh, yeah, I like it's, that. it's a very good tool. Well, that, I mean, I think this is useful stuff. If I'm going to do this work, I need this uh, IE debugging bar. I need Firebug to test against Firefox. Uh, do you find it a normal thing that you've got to make sure both those browsers work? It depends on your application, for example. So uh, I've, got, I've developed both kinds of applications, like one uh, on for an intranet site where all the users were only IE users. I did not even bother about any kind of Firefox support. I did not even test my app on Firefox. And later on, uh, I'm, uh, we, have to, we had to extend the same uh, say same application so that it worked, uh, it worked for Firefox. In that case, we found that the user was not even able to go beyond the login page. Uh-oh. So, uh, yeah, then, like, uh, yeah, we had to... It's, like, it, it really depends on your application, but, like... But... Uh, if you're developing for ASP.NET Ajax, it's it's better to keep both the browsers in mind. It's not really very difficult if you uh, if you if you start from the very beginning. If you have both the browsers in the mind, and like if you start developing so that they are uh, compatible across the browsers, I mean you don't really have to work too hard. That library ASP.NET Ajax library has pretty good support, and as soon as long as you use the standard functions provided by Microsoft Ajax library, you are in good shape. But it's worth just checking along the way. Is there just little settings that are different between the two platforms? Uh, not settings. There are a lot of things which are different. For example, the way you add an event listener it is different in IE and in Firefox. Okay. So that, um, that, And the way yeah. some functions behave, for example. Uh, in IE, like, it's not possible to um, use... It's not possible, like, if you've got an HTML... Uh, for HTML markup for a table cell, right? Uh, for a table and table cell, it's not possible to use the inner HTML property and create a table. But in Firefox, it is possible to use set the inner HTML property of a T-body element. There, there are certain differences like this. So do you end up writing code that actually says, if Firefox, then do this, if IE, do this? No. No, because, uh, well, the Microsoft Ajax library and addresses this problem uh, by providing an abstraction API. And so this is basically a set of methods that that we can use for writing code that runs in all the supported browsers. And for example, the API provides methods for accessing DOM elements or attaching events, like Rama said. And if I use the abstraction API, I don't have to worry about uh, the, the specific browser that's rendering my page because I have to call the the API method. For example, there's a method called add handler, which is responsible for adding an event handler and, and attach it to a DOM element. But under the hood, the API takes care of choosing the right function based on the implementation of the DOM uh, in the browsers that that's rendering the page, so it's the library that performs the browser detection, and I have only to to call to call the the API method. So, for example, uh, for Internet Explorer, like if you want to attach a on-click event handler to an element, you'll say element dot attach event on-click comma. You'll provide a JavaScript function name. 
Right. In Firefox, you will say element dot add event listener click comma the JavaScript function exactly. name. Does, uh, with the, so with the like Microsoft in, Ajax. Yeah, if you're using a Microsoft Ajax lab, then you'll say dollar add handler element comma the dollar add handler element comma click comma the function name. And then it'll write the right one. Yeah, dollar add handler will automatically select the right one. I see. So if you're not testing and making sure you're using Ajax correctly, you end up coding it directly for IE, and it won't work in Firefox, where if you'd tried it and realized it didn't work, you would have remembered to use the Ajax handler properly. Is that your thinking? Yeah, as long as, as, long as you're using the Microsoft Ajax library provided functions, you'll be okay. okay. They will work across the cross-browser. That, that's the only discipline which is needed from a web developer. He's developing from ASP.NET Ajax. So that, that will ensure that his code is valid across the browsers. So does does drag-and-drop work on all browsers? If you use the ASP.NET Ajax uh, drag-and-drop, uh, yeah, it works across the browsers too. Now what are we talking about when you say drag-and-drop? Dropping a, a file onto a browser? Oh, no, I'm talking about like drag-and-drop, which you see in uh, typical pages like... Uh, Live.com, the start page for Live.com or Google.com. Yeah, so we're basically talking about dragging and dropping DOM elements. Oh, I see. Yeah. And for example, in the book, we we describe the uh, the drag and drop engine provided by the Microsoft Ajax library, and also present an example of a shopping cart with drag and drop support. So I can choose uh, an item, an article from a catalog, and drop it over the shopping cart, and it automatically gets added to the user's shopping cart. So you devote a whole chapter to that, it looks like. Is that is that pretty uh, complex? No, actually, um, it's not complex because, for example, the drag-and-drop engine is implemented in a way similar to, to drag-and-drop in Windows. So... We have similar interfaces and with similar purposes. Uh, it's not complex, but it requires, I should say that it requires a bit of work to, to add drag and drop support to a web page. But uh, with a Microsoft Ajax library, we, we can do it uh, in an easier way. You know, .NET Rocks would not even be possible today if it weren't for the great support of our first sponsor, Data Dynamics. And their product is the one that we really love, Active Reports for .NET. It's easy to use. It's powerful. You just create the reports. You put them right in your assemblies, and you ship them with your code. They have uh, HTML and PDF support. They've got an excellent access upsizing wizard so that you can get your access reports into Active Reports for .NET. Uh, works for Windows Forms, works with ASP.NET. It's easy, and it just works. And best of all, it won't break the bank. And that's what we love about Data Dynamics. Data Dynamics has got a lot of other great tools, too. And you should check them out. Please check them out at datadynamics.com. Um, what about web controls? You touched on this earlier. Building web controls that have uh, Ajax built into them. Is this going to be... Um, you think a lot of people are going to do this, or are they just going to go out and purchase third-party controls like Telerix controls that, that do all that stuff already? Well, actually, people use 
are using very much the, the AJAX control toolkit, uh, which is a repository of AJAX-enabled controls. So we are talking about web controls um, with AJAX support. And the AJAX control toolkit is an open source project was started by Microsoft, and it's a collection of, uh, of server controls built with ASP.NET AJAX extensions. And uh, I am a contributor for, for the toolkit, and because the, the agility team, which is the team that owns the project, uh, decided to open for contributions and is accepting uh, submissions of server controls from from users or in the community. Okay. And so Garbin actually was one of the first non-Microsoft uh, <clears throat> employees to contribute to that. He contributed the uh, slider control. Yes, I wrote the slider. Okay. So you took the server slider control and you added AJAX support to it. What parts are AJAXed? Well, actually, I've used a technique called extender, and that means that I took an existing web control, and in this case, an ASP.NET text box control, and I have upgraded it to a slider by wiring it to a client component built with the Microsoft AJAX library. And I use an extender, which is a separate web control that provides additional properties to the extended control. So when I wire my extender, my slider extender to an existing ASP.NET text box, actually I am adding an additional set of properties control the client functionality that, that I am providing with the extender. So an extender is used to, to provide client capabilities in the form of client components written with, uh, with the ASP.NET.AJAX to existing web controls. Hmm. Okay, so what did you, with the extender, what exactly did you extend? Like, what, what features do I now have? Well, you start with a simple text box, you wire it to a slider extender, and automatically you have the possibility to specify images for the slider's handle or, and rail uh, to control the CSS uh, style of the slider. And you can set the bounds uh, of the slider and, and other features like um, you, can, you have the possibility to handle additional events besides those provided by the, the text box control. So it's like extending an existing control, in this case, with client functionality. Okay. So now you're, now my text box control is able to pick up the fact that somebody's moved the slider to a new value. Exactly. And actually, when you wire the text box to a slider extender, and the text box is, is replaced by a graphical slider. That's controlled by the process is controlled by the client component that the extenders instantiate on client side. So the client component controls 
and can manipulate uh, the HTML rendered by the server console. Okay, that's yeah. cool. It, that sounds like all client-side work, really, but it's just part of the toolkit. Yes. Um, the toolkit actually consists of uh, ser uh, server controls, AJAX-enabled controls, uh, but it's also a it can be seen as a collection of client components as well, because if I want, I can use them separately and... And uh, I, the toolkit provides also an API for creating AJAX-enabled controls because the ASP.NET AJAX framework provides two base classes, an extender control class and a script control class to create AJAX-enabled controls. But the AJAX control toolkit leverages this API and by provided basically a, a metadata-driven API. This means that instead of using the methods provided by the base classes, I can wire the client functionality just by decorating the class or its properties with attributes. That's an interesting... Yeah, that is a very interesting... And it's a realization that they, this is not just about using the HTTP handler to send data back to the server, but that there's a bunch of additional functionality there. And I noticed on your blog you talked about the whole animation framework as well. Uh, I didn't even yeah. know this was in the part of the toolkit. And it's again, this is very client-oriented No, stuff. neither did I. Uh, what can you tell us about the animation stuff? Well, it's, it's a complex framework. I mean, it has a lot of animation classes, and, and we can do a lot with it. I mean, uh, the features, the features CTP contains um, classes for doing animation with ASP.NET AJAX, but in my opinion, the framework provided by the AJAX control toolkit is far better. Huh. And because, yes, um, it allows creating animation using an XML description, for example. We can wire animations to events raised by DOM elements just by using declarative, a declarative language. So an XML description of all the animations that we want to play in the page. But if we want, we, can, we have also the possibility to declare animation using JSON. And, and we can also use the, the classical declarative syntax. And that's JSON, J-S-O-N? Exactly. Uh, we better define the acronym. We are the acronym um, police. Yes, it, it means uh, JavaScript and XML. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> JavaScript object notation. A JavaScript object notation. Okay, great. I, I have a question now, uh, one more question for each of you, and that is... Uh, what do you want to see as, uh, well, I could ask it two ways, right? I could say, what don't you like about the AJAX framework? But you're probably, that you know, not uh, not of the mindset that, that there's anything lacking. Maybe you are. Well, put another way, you know, what would you like to see better done? Or, or maybe, like, more features, you know, what for would you like to two. see for version 2? Yeah. Okay. Let's start uh, with you, David. Yeah. Sure. 
Uh, version 2, I'd like to see some nice integration with, with WPFE, actually, because in WPFE, you have the XAML. It's kind of like a, a DOM for the XAML. You have the XAML DOM. And I'd like to be able to interact with it just like I would with my HTML DOM. And there mm-hmm. is a sense that almost this this client toolkit and WPFE are competitors. There... Um, I think they're going to work more together. I hope. I hope so. <laughs> but ultimately, I could see them being one thing. Um, I, they kind of run in their own sandbox, though, because you have yeah. yeah, WPFE is kind of like an ActiveX control, and you can interact with it with your script, but. I don't think that they're cohesive yet. They're not working completely. Well, I think Richard is talking about from a user perspective, they they seem to do some of the same stuff, but technically, of course, they're much different. I mean, yeah, it's a big thing to be a JavaScript, and you have you're a lot closer to the browser than a, than an ActiveX control is. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd like to see that as well. Yeah, it'd be very. It'll be fun to see them interacting, to see each of them calling each other. Yeah, I would. I would expect that I can use the same patterns. If I've uh, invested time in learning about the Microsoft Ajax library and I've used dollar uh, ad handler, then I'd like to use that exact same pattern to find an element in XAML. Right, right. That would be nice. Uh, how about you, Garvin? Well, I'd like to see some of the features that are currently currently CTP material moved, the core framework. And, for example, XML script is interesting feature in my opinion. But and also maybe bindings are also an interesting feature that I'd like to see. Bindings as in data binding? Yes. It's more like a way to do to synchronize the value of properties and using an object called binding that take care of uh, keeping the values synchronized. And if the bindings are used, for example, in XML script to perform interesting tasks, and they allow to to write less code because, for example, I don't need to to handle an, an event anymore to in order to update the value of a property, for example. But yeah, I can bi- do like this. binding data to a text box and just saying, I want you to auto-update this would get rid of all that timing code and, and web service call and so forth that would just do the work for you to keep that up to date. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for example, I, I could uh, create a binding between a text box and the result of a web service. Sure. For example, and so that the result state the web service returns a string, I can automatically display the string in the text box without having to attach and handle for the for sure. the completed event of the the object that wraps the web service and then setting the text in the text box. And all this job is performed automatically by the binding. Okay, Rama, how about you? What would you like to see in the next version? Okay, so uh, in the next version, it's not really uh, much of an ASP.NET AJAX feature, but like uh, what I want uh, from Microsoft is that they should implement, they should uh, use all use the JavaScript, I mean, grid view and the tree view control, they use JavaScript, which is proprietary to it. I mean, it's not very well documented. I want uh, those controls to use the Microsoft Ajax library, and I want a good client-side uh, object model available to access these controls too. 
Now, one of the problems with uh, ASP.NET, in my opinion, was that there was no client-side uh, API at all documented. You had to figure out everything by a view source or by reverse engineering or whatever ways you want. And the other issue was that like, if you're using uh, any third-party controls, like for example, if you're using Infragistics control, now Infragistics has its own client-side library, which is quite big. Right. Support uh, multiple browsers, cross-browser, and all those uh, features, right? Now, if you're using Microsoft Ajax, Microsoft Ajax has got its own library too. So the JavaScript footprint on the browser, it becomes huge if you're using Infragistics control with standard ASP.NET Ajax, right? Mm -hmm. I would like uh, all the other third-party controls to use ASP.NET Ajax, the Microsoft Ajax library for the client side too. So that way we can have a good, consistent, just one, a single, uh, a single library which on which everything is based on and which might be a, which might be of a great help to reduce the browser uh, reduce the JavaScript footprint on the browser and finally guys uh, what's the ship date for the book in total if you don't mind me asking uh, our target is July I think the site says differently <laughs> okay. we have to talk to our publisher um, we're, we're very close to complete we're in the phase where we're editing, and we haven't gone through the edit process yet. But one thing that's really nice, actually, is that we have uh, this program called MEEP. Uh, stands for Manning Early Access Program, where you can get the chapters early, unedited, of course. But this week, we'll be releasing almost the whole book, a good, a good chunk of it. Hmm. So if there's no, you don't have to wait for the printing. You can get it all now if you're willing to deal with, you know, a little some of the rawness of, of the text. Cool. So that's kind of a nice feature that our publisher has. We're pretty happy about that. Is there a DRM thing, you know, for, for that? No, it comes that's to cool. you as a PDF and, uh, do what you want with that. Okay. And, uh, David, when was the last time you, uh, hang glided in New York city? <laughs> uh, I just tried to mix it up a little bit, you know, uh, <laughs> not really an urban hang glider. Oh, you're not. No, no. <laughs> I was gonna say, man, that's uh, that's pretty insane. That's exciting stuff, but yeah. No. Uh, I I'd like to point out. Uh, I think that Microsoft already did for the next version of framework because I read that Microsoft joined the Open Ajax Alliance. Uh, All right. Yes, the Open Ajax is, Alliance. Exactly, uh, which is an organization that purpose to provide a specification and open source projects and to make developers able to mix different AJAX frameworks and thus to obtain interoperable AJAX frameworks. I think this. Okay. So it makes sense that the next version ought to be moving towards compliance with the open exactly. AJAX standards. Yes. All right. Well, the book is ASP.NET Ajax in Action, and our guests have been David Barkal, Alessandro Gallo, and Ramakrishna Vavilala. Guys, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you very much. It was fun. And good luck with the book. We'll be watching it. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.
Dotnet Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC and summer.